how it lights my path, how it guides my way. So let's start in Exodus 8 and verses 1 to 15. We're continuing in our story of Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, which will come up and go into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and on your people and into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. So the frogs will come up on you and your people and all your servants. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the streams and over the pools and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. The magicians did the same thing with their secret arts, making frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, The honor is yours to tell me. When shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people that the frogs be destroyed from you and your houses, that they may be left only in the Nile? Then he said, Tomorrow. So he said, May it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will depart from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They will be left only in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had inflicted upon Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, the courts, and the fields. So they piled them in heaps, and the land became foul. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. You can flick over to chapter 10 for a couple more verses, starting at verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be detained. Even your little ones may go with you. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice them to the Lord our God. Therefore, our livestock too shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we shall take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And until we arrive there, we ourselves do not know what we shall serve, with what we shall serve the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Beware, do not see my face again. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, You are right. I shall never see your face again. 
David, why don't you come? I'm going to pray for you. So you bring us the word of Jesus this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for David. Thank you for all his preparation, his heart, his love for you, and his searching into your word. And I pray that you will anoint his words this morning. May they come forth with the power of your spirit, Lord, to help us, to strengthen us, and to let us see more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's a pleasure and a privilege to open the Bible with you today. I'm just going to give you a, a notice, okay? I might say she when it's he and he when it's she. It's a language barrier. Um, you, I know that your kindness and your care and your love for me is well known. Um, but just keep that in mind, okay? I want to, I'm going to try my best, <laughs> but sometimes it's, it's difficult. Um, can you believe what happened? The God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he saved us. He delivered us from Egypt, from the hand of our enemies. Moses who is one of our brothers, who grew up in the palace of Pharaoh. He has been wrestling with Pharaoh day after day, but now we are free. Me, personally, I couldn't believe it. I live behind nights of worry, nights of sorrow, nights Day after day, I've been working from the sunrise to the sunset. My body aches. My mind is always frightened. And that is not the, even the worst part, worst part. I'm worried about my family. They killed my boy. They killed my boy. I don't know how to comfort my wife. I have a little girl. And she's been helping us. We are free. We are at the other end of this sea. How incredible is this? That can be the story of one of the Hebrews. Um, uh, it's also our story. I like, I like how this event in Exodus is so key, so relevant, so important for the people of God, for the people of Israel. Is a beginning and after. Is a life-changing event. Is part of who they are. Is the identity, the identity. They've been saved. They have. They have been rescued. Um, I like. I like some old mafia New York movies. You know. Um, and I find quite interesting how, how people from Europe emigrate to the United States. They, some people were Italians, Irish, etc., etc. But how even generation after, they still remember the stories of the grandparents, of the fathers, how my grandparents moved when they had no future in Europe and they risked their lives and they took a boat and they flee from there. It's, it's quite interesting how what we are or what we live 
as a family, as a church, shape, shape who we are. And it's interesting for, the, for this story that we're exploring today. They've been oppressed. They've been suffering. They've been struggling. And the cross, the cross is the same for us. It's the salvation of God as a church is where everything, a new start begins for us. Um, I'm going to be doing a come forth and go between Exodus and the cross and us today. Keep, keep an eye on me, okay? <laughs> um, I just want to, if you can move, um, this is the, their story that I, the, just, I narrate as a, I am a Hebrew, but if you move forward, um, is this story that we're exploring is the national um, identity. Uh, but later on, one more, Vicky, please. But later on, um, Moses gives some instructions to the Hebrews. And they say, they say, then the priests shall take the basket from your hand and set it for before the altar of your Lord God. And you shall respond and say before the Lord your God, my father was wandering an Aramean and he went down to Egypt and resided there. Few in numbers, but they became a great, mighty and populous nation. The Egyptians treated us badly and oppressed us and imposed hard labor on us. Then we cried out to the Lord, and the Lord or our fathers, the Lord hear our voice and saw our wretched condition, our troubles and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, outreach arm, and with great terror, with the signs and wonder, he brought us to this place. And he has given us this land, the land that flowing with milk and honey. Um, it's interesting that um, um, the book is building, is building all the, all the story to this point. Um, and as Moses says, offer your best to the Lord. Give everything to him because he saves you. This is something that we cannot forget, church. We are the redeemed. We are saved by Jesus. And this, in the same way it was for Hebrews in Israel, the core of who we are, who they are, is the core of who we are. We are being saved by our Savior, by our rescuer. And that's part of the church. That's part of who we, who we are. Um, I, I always fascinated about the Bible. I, I, I grew up in church 30, 36 years. I've been learning, I've been listening to many preachings. And every time that I explore the Bible, I found something new. And I'm going to give you a, a few details that I, I never knew. I never knew. And, and, and it's, it makes sense to me now in the narrative of Exodus how the moment is building and building and building until we get to the plagues. Okay? First one that I really like is how Exodus is connected with Genesis. Um, um, a, few, a few there. Um, it says, Pharaoh, he says, he sees that Israelites are growing and said to himself, come let us. Um, that's a clear connection with the Torah of ba Bible. Um, when you see come let us and you make the connection, you can, you can guess that things are going 
go, I'm going to go down the hill because what happened is, is um, uh, the humans by that time, they built a tower in rebellion with God and God came down and scattered them. Basically, they, the language is... Um, is um, but what I found more interesting is that uh, Babylon, through, whole, through the whole Bible, is, ended up being um, the kingdom of Satan. And it's associated with darkness, associated with killing, with blood spread of the innocent. And, and well, that's a fact in there. What, what, what the writer is saying, you remember Babel? It's going to happen again. Uh, and Egypt is now uh, who is representing that idea. Um, the same arrogance, same pride, same, same attitude to, uh, against God. The second one that um, I like it is first to, to himself, let's decide wisely. And this is the first chapter. I am in Exodus chapter 1, okay? And he says, let's decide wisely. And that word wisely is used for Joseph. And you can say the difference when God is there and when God is not there when you try to decide wisely, right? And after he decided wisely, he put in place all these policies. The problem is he's fearing that the Israelites are going to multiply, they're going to grow, and they're going to they become an army, they're going to become a nation that will destroy his empire. And, and it's interesting, uh, uh, the, 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 play, the plan that he did... Uh, Plan A, we give them hard work. We be, they become slaves. Plan B, we, we tell the midwives to kill the, the boys. The idea behind this is many, but basically you kill the, the, strong, the strong people in the, in, the, in, the, in the people of Israel. But also they might not keep growing and growing and growing. And plan C... Um, if this doesn't work, we take the babies and we throw in on the, on the Nile. Uh, we leave us to an inter in, in second, third interesting fact is how, how the writer, the narrator in the book uh, did, did uh, the names, right? By that, that time of history, who you will know is Pharaoh's name. In the, in the period that we're covering, they guess there is two, at least two Pharaohs in place. But number one, the name is mentioned once, I think it's once at the beginning of the book, and it's wrong spelling. And number two, if you are a normal reader, you read the book and you realize there is, there is two pharaohs already that you have come across, but you just hear one name, pharaoh, pharaoh, pharaoh. And I, 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 I've been learning the theories behind this. Is that it's more likely that the narrator wants to decrease or minimize the figure of Pharaoh. But in fact, he maximized others. And the, the one who maximized are those who are against his policies. You know, we know the names of the midwives. Uh, I don't remember. I, did, I think I didn't put them there. But I think Thipra uh, or... It's two midwives that we know the name. And this is nobody, basically, in that time. But for Moses, is the salvation. And that brings a lot of, a lot of um, insights from that. Is God sees different than us. While society says that this is the success, maybe for God it's different. 
For us, it's different. Maybe you are in here this morning and you feel like you are a midwife in Egypt. You are no one, nobody. You feel small. And let me tell you something. Maybe you are the person who in your workplace are doing God's work. Maybe you are the person who in your family you are caring, you are loving, and you are doing what, what God does. And I think that's just important. Um, um, I, like, I like the third fact, and is there is, in the, in the chapter two, there is some people seeing there, and it's the daughters, the daughters. Daughter of Levi is the mother of Moses. Daughter of the Levi's daughter is basically Moses' sister, and daughter of Pharaoh. And I really like that. Because when in Exodus we see the verb seeing or see or saw, it's a, it's a fact that is referring to the bigger picture. And it's God seeing, God seeing. God saw the suffering. God saw how Egypt was oppressing. God saw the Pharaoh policy. God had compassion for them. God gave himself into the story and put himself in there. And you see these three daughters doing the same. Moses is born, the man grabbed Moses, and she, see, she sees him. Say, I cannot, I need to save this baby. I need to save this baby. <coughs> the mother sent Moses into the river, and the sister, I'm guessing by that age will be six, six years old, came out of the house to see what happened. And when, when see what happens, um, the daughter of Pharaoh is there. And this is not, it's, it's, not, it's not a small deal. Basically, you are the daughter and you are opposing what your father is doing, the, the, probably the most powerful man on earth uh, by that time. And, but she sees Moses as well. She sees Moses. Say, let's, and this is an echo. An echo when, when God sees uh, the, the Israelites suffering, he sees different. He sees with compassion, with heart. He wants to do something because the people of God is suffering. And I like that, I like I like as I said, I've been learning about the Bible and I never, I never noticed this. Uh, I like the contrast, the contrast between uh, Pharaoh and his daughter. Um, Miriam, uh, Moses', Moses um, sister, said to, said to the daughter, shall I go? Shall I go and take care of this baby? And Moses says to Pharaoh, let us go. The daughter responds, yes, you go. Pharaoh responds, no, you know. And then in Spanish we say a phrase, with the police, with the police, we, <laughs> we found the police basically. It's what we say, basically we're gonna, we're gonna have, have some, <laughs> some class in there, okay? Um, let me see what I have here. Okay. Oh, let, let me catch in up with my notes, okay? That, the <laughs> yeah. Could you move to the next one? I, I like the structure in the book. The structure in the book is that we have Moses' story in the first chapters. Moses and the risk is saved and coming out of the waters, 
he goes to a mountain after the exile and comes down, commit, commission it to save the Israelites. It's the same thing for the Hebrews. They, they are under risk because of uh, Pharaoh's policies. They came out miraculously through the water. They come to a mountain. Some people believe it's the same. Horeb and Sinai is the same mountain. Um, there is fire there in the same way there is fire in the, in the birth. And they come committed and with a deeper understanding of God and deeper revelation of who he is. Um, if you move one more, um, and uh, it makes sense also for, for Jesus. Um, he's been saved during the murdering of the firstborn. Um, he, his family go to Egypt, come out of Egypt, go to the baptism wilderness. And don't, don't take my word on that one about the same on the mountain. People believe it's the cross. People, I put same on the mountain. But basically, there is quite similarities but it's also a story. It's also a story. It's, if, you, if you can think in your personal situation now or in the past, it's always a need. Always that we need someone to save us. We need someone to save us. And it's beautiful how God likes to be involved, likes to be there for us. Let's move on, Vicky, please. Um, I have my Spanish colleague in here. <laughs> um, the plagues. Let's let's see to some details, but because they are they're worth they worth they give you more more understanding of the story. The staff, as you can see in the picture, um, Pharaoh, uh, as a as a um, governor or king of the land, he was. They were known as a shepherd. They were they were looking after the nation. And the whole scene of Moses coming with a staff um, and showing a different authority is a declaration of purpose. <laughs> it's a declaration of, um, I'm going to show you that I'm a different kind of shepherd. I'm going to show you that I operate in a power different than you. And I'm going to show you that the God that I serve has more power than you have. Um, and, and this is just... Uh, let's, let's do a break, okay? Is what happened when you don't know the great I am? You're not God. Normally, what will normally happen is that you think you are. Um, and basically, that's what's happening with, with Pharaoh. Is he believes about himself, he's probably a God, and, and he's, not willing to, he's not willing to get himself out of that See, or that position, that's, that, uh, what he thinks, anyways. Um, is that, and Debbie reads The Frogs and the Darkness. I'm going to speak more, more in general to get a whole picture. And, and I like that in the, this phrasing here, mighty hand, an outreached arm, is in every... In every kingdom of Egypt, when the pharaohs are portrayed uh, in the hieroglyph, I need a help with this one, hieroglyph, hieroglyph, they are portrayed with the arms like this, and basically with someone that is 
about to die in there. And when we read Mighty Han and Aurich Han, it's basically telling us that the God of Israel is stronger, is more powerful, is his, his dominion is no, nowhere close what the Pharaoh has. And we can see, we can see that some, some, like, move the curtain and see at the back of the curtain, and we can see how he has some power there, some magicians. So probably people say black, black power or demonic, or, and, and he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to put himself at the same level, but it's not happening. It's not happening. Um, the snakes is, is a picture of power, uh, his power and his royal, uh, royalty. And basically Moses' snake eat the whole thing. Um, he, couldn't, he couldn't do healing the hand and then and replicate that miracle. Basically doesn't have power over sickness. Um, and obviously in terms of the creation and how... Um, the Lord, through Moses, uh, perform all the miracles. Is is no, it has no comparison, basically. Um, yeah, let's move on. Um, obviously, it's a complex text, and I was kind of laughing when I received a message from David saying, "Oh, David, would you like to preach?" <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. It's Exodus 8 and Exodus 10. <laughs> the plagues. It's, it's not an easy text to preach because there's a lot of things going on there. Um, but I, I'm going to try my best. I, I've been studying the, the, the passage for time enough that I think I've familiarized. Some people trying to explain the pl- plagues as a um, scientific or natural catastrophe that took place when Moses is having the conversations with Pharaoh. Uh, I think it's a documenta- documentary out there that you, the science explaining that uh, it may be a bacteria went into the water, transformed the water into blood, killed all the fishes, etc., um, etc. Et okay? um, I think my conclusion is it's definitely something uh, mirac- it's a miracle that what Moses performed on behalf of of the great I am, the Yahweh, is, is, is not a natural effect. But it, it might be the case that it's, it's connected. It's connected to some events there. Um, another theory is that every, every plague is, is addressing every god in Egypt. Um, we have a verse there. And, and I think it might be the case. It might be the case that also is. The, the Egyptians used to believe a sense of harmony, a sense, they call it ma'at, and it's, it's, God is demonstrating to them, no, no, you, you, this, is not, this is not who God is, this is not, this is not God, and, and it's, it's, he's him putting every single block down on, in, that, in that sense. But um, I recently, um, I'm going I'm to quote them because I think it's, I recently been listening to a part of the Bible project, and they were talking about the plagues as a un, uncreating. How in Genesis there is a certain order and effects that God is um, is putting or 
putting order in chaos. Um, he's, uh, remember, remember, correct me if I am wrong, he's uh, uh, putting the dark, separating the darkness, the waters, putting order in the land, in the, in the waters, the light and the darkness, the skies and the, and, and he's creating in a certain order. And if you look to the plagues, the last one is, is different, okay? The, the firstborn uh, uh, Egyptians is different. But if, if, you see, if you see there is a certain pattern there, and the pattern is if you take every three, they are de-creating in the same way is created in Genesis. Uh, uh, darkness, blah, 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 and it's, it's upside down. And it's, the, the last one is that everything goes back to chaos. It goes back to chaos for the Egyptians, not for the Hebrews, because as David read, uh, the Hebrews are still, they have the light, even if there's darkness there. And, um, <clears throat> and yeah, what I want to I want to make a few points clear. And I think, um, as we've been singing, as we've been hearing for Christian testimony, as we know as a church, God is a God of signs and wonders. He's a God who brings freedom, who brings forgiveness, who brings restoration, who brings uh, peace, who brings all kinds of thing, good things. And you might read this text, the plagues, and you will think how, how God fits in this category. Because it's, people, say, people say that it's, a, it's the two sides of a kind. Moses is the ugly part, and Jesus is the good part. But I don't believe that. I believe God is the same in this text than before. And in my opinion, he initially, he didn't even want to take the Hebrews completely out of Egypt. He said to Pharaoh, let my people worship for three days. He's not saying they will not come back, saying let my people worship for three days. And he's, he's completely um, putting fight against that. Putting saying, no, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going. Um, and, I think, and I think for me the place is not even a bad event. What I'm trying to say is a Obviously, there is innocent people that are dying. There is, at uh, the end, the babies. There is all type of catastrophes. But um, it's an opportunity for Pharaoh. It's an opportunity. We can go into the complexity of some phrases in there that saying, and God hardened his heart. And, and if you explore closely these, these, these words, because it's only happened, that phrase only happened two, two times out of ten. And the other seven is his heart, himself making a choice, not repenting, not saying, okay, okay. And what, and what is more interesting even is even when he repents, and in my opinion, it's a fake repent because he wants to, the plague to stop. God is already there. He's already there saying, no, I, I stopped the plague. I stopped the plague. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And if you ask me, I think God didn't harden his heart. In fact, I think God is a person who is willing to make us hearts softer, softer for him, softer for his will, softer for his kingdom, softer 
for, for this world that is dying, for this world that is full of evil, for this world. And when I see Jesus, I see just the opposite. I see just the opposite. I see a God who is desperate to put his own being in us by the Holy Spirit and give us a heart that is different than the heart of far. Far is far. Apologize. <laughs> but, um, and that's why, um, if you look in, in Roger's book, when he looks about these words, when Pharaoh, when God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it's more the case that the, the word in Hebrew is something that's been stuck already there. It's been there for many times. And it doesn't imply that God is dynamic, putting a, a movement in that heart. No, no, no. It's there. It's there. And it's just let, let it go. Let it go to be like that. Um, and I think it's important because there is a lot of people out there saying God allows this. God allows that. God is hurting me. God is didn't save my brother when, when died and, and putting that into a God that in my opinion is not that. It's not that. Um, uh, um, and that takes us to the last moment. Um, is, I think seeing this is, is beautiful. Uh, at the beginning of the place, Moses or Aaron, because he's the one who was speaking there, um, said to Pharaoh, um, we're coming on Yahweh's name. We're coming to liberate the, oppre the oppressed. And Pharaoh said one question. Who is this? Who is Yahweh? Who is there I am? And I found really beautiful that in, in the book, in Exodus, you find this question all the time. Moses climb the mountain, go to, go to the bush, or, yeah. <laughs> go to the bus, and, and the, the first question that Moses does is, who you are? Who you are? And it's the same question that Pharaoh does. Who is this? I don't know him. And if you, if you move, um, you can see every plague. By this, you will know that I'm Yahweh, the frogs. By this, you will know that I'm Yahweh, files. So that you will know, Yahweh, I am in this land. Hail, so you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. So now you may know that I, there is Yahweh. Locus, that you may know that I am Yahweh, etc., etc. The point is clear. <laughs> The point is, um, through all the Bible, we have a God who wants us, who wants to be with us, who wants to reveal himself to us, um, who wants to be known by us, loved by us, um, correct. He wants to correct us when we are going to the directions that are not the right direction. Um, I see that as a, as a love. Um, I see that as a, the revelation of God. Um, um, obviously, we are in the early stages in the Torah. We are in the early stages. It's the second book. But we are also in the early, early stage of the Bible. In this, I'm just going back to the question.
question, why the plagues, why all this calamity, why all this catastrophe. Uh, God is revealing himself. For the Israelites, is the deliverer. For Moses, is the deliverer. For us, is the deliverer. For Pharaoh, is a different thing. But I think, in my opinion, it's, it's, a, it's just a, his ultimate decision. Um, because even if you reach to the end, when he killed the firstborns, you could, you could stop there and you will live. But you carry on and you ended up in a, in a sea, sinking. And it's your decision. And I, I want to finish with, with the ultimate revelation of God, that is Jesus. Um, his signs and the way he deals with the plagues is different. Um, he is able to seek. In fact, he's only willing to seek, to heal the sick, sorry. He has power over sickness. Um, he raised people from the dead. He doesn't kill. Uh, he raised people from the dead. Um, he has power over nature. Um, he has power over the principalities, over the demonic, over what is dark in real in this world. Um, I heard someone saying one time that um, um, how a demonic person looks like, someone that is demonized. And this person said, when you see the kingdom of Satan in motion through the actions of a person. And I'm not saying that it's not people there that has demons inside. I'm saying that the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, they look very different. They look very different. They are not alike. And when you see Jesus, it's more like this. He's able to... He's able to battle and to fight our worst enemies. The one that we don't have power over. We don't have power over sickness. We are trying to. We are trying to heal cancer. We are trying to create and God glory for that. We don't have power over death. He does. He rose. Um, I want to finish an application for today. And I have two words. It's a word of encouragement for us as individuals. Um, you might be facing today some oppression in any kind. Um, look at the story. And I, I, I've been imagining the first story, fiction story that I read. How does it look like for me today? Um, it looks like healthy relationships. It looks like a right understanding of my weaknesses and having a power that helps me to overcome sin. It looks like um, healing when we sick, when we pray. And I, I want you, you to leave this place being sure in your soul, in your spirit, that the same God that rescued the Israelites is the God that rescued you in your personal situation. I know most of the people that were here, we know this. 
And that's why, if you know this, I'll give you a second encouragement. Be Moses. That's my second encouragement. I think we, the church, we have a unique position between heaven and earth to bring the kingdom. Uh, your prayers matter. You here matter. We are better because you are here. You are worshiping. You are joining us. We can be Moses and go to the enemy and bring freedom. God bless you. Let your